We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, guys? Before we get going today, just wanted to remind you, the podcast brought to you by Skybox Sports Picks. Who is Skybox Sports Picks? Well, I'm glad you asked. They're the world's best gambling handicapping website. They're the inventors of the Skybox Matrix Interval, an advanced modeling mechanism that has helped propel Skybox through the, to the top of the industry through years of wisdom and experience. You need to go check these guys out. They're going to have a package to fit your price range. Right now is kind of testing season. Test out the sites you like. I promise you, you're going to like Skybox, but give it a little taste before we get in the heat of football season here. They're crushing it on NASCAR. They've got some week-long MLB packages. We got the golf coming up, Scottish Open this weekend, John Deere Classic, British Open coming up the week after that. You don't want to miss out on it. These guys are going to lead you to profit, I promise. They're not some, you know, horse crap kind of hokey site that you know you get all those guys that you on the internet that you think you know what they're talking about but they don't actually have a clue these guys are legit and they've proven over the test of time to give and give their clients the utmost value and lead them to profit they know what they're doing so you need to go check these guys out they will have a package to fit your price range i recommend the year-long pass for all sports you're going to make your money back and then some but if, you, if that's not in the cards for you you can go you know daily pass give it a little taste 10 bucks and then all of a sudden They've got week-long passes. They've got month-long passes for all sports, or you could do a specific sport. Whatever it is, you get the point. They're going to have something that kind of fits what you're looking for. So you need to go check them out. Skybox Sports Picks, if you're into the wagering game, you're literally just lost, aimlessly losing money. These guys will actually lead you into the right side of things and into profit. So check them out, skyboxsportspick.com. Whatever, uh, whatever package you do use, if you use the promo code RIPPY, you get 20% off. You need to use the promo code. It lets them know that we sent you. It saves you money. Everybody wins. Check out the merch store. I'm rocking a Skybox hat as we speak right now. Got shirts. They've also got some articles to kind of help you on the process as well. So check them out, skyboxsportspicks.com. Podcast also brought to you by LB's University Avenue across from Kroger. You know the drill best place in Mississippi to get meat as we get into the doldrums of summer we'll probably have Greg back on uh talk about some horse racing smoking meats get another grill corner going it's what Greg likes to do he's going to hook you up as well he's got all kinds of different stuff lane train special Keith Carter special six and eight ounce bacon wrap fillets all kinds of sausages had some tri-tip there not too long ago was delightful sausage wise I'd recommend the ribeye sausage but there's so many different kinds you need to go try your favorite it's a hell of a hell of a place to get into grilling and to in- amplify your grilling experience. If you're a subscriber to the Rippy Rights newsletter right now, that's Rippy Rights. 
www.substack.com. Go in there, type your email. It's a free newsletter anywhere between three to five times a week. You, just for being a subscriber, get a 16-ounce prime strip for 15 bucks and a pack of sausage for 5 bucks. That's $20, and you get a steak and some sausage. That's a hell of a kickstart to your weekend. So go subscribe to the newsletter and go check out Greg, LB's University Avenue across from Kroger. Oxford is so fortunate to have a place like LB's. Go check them out. Today's podcast, we have Colin Brister back on, kind of preview the MLB draft a little bit, but we ended up getting into some name, image, and likeness stuff, how it impacts the baseball program, talk some Shohei Otani at the end, a little West Coast trip recap uh, on my end, but uh, a lot of baseball, some draft stuff, whether Tim Elko will come back or not, where Doug Nikhazy ends up going, Gunnar Hoagland, everyone in between, and what that means for next year for Ole Miss as a baseball program. So, Glad to get Colin back on. We are going to be back on a normal podcast schedule next week. As I keep mentioning, I did take a vacation last week, and things have kind of gotten out of whack between that and the content lull. But podcast-wise, we will be back to the normal Monday, Wednesday, Friday schedule starting next week. That is my promise to the people. So without further ado, here's Colin. Rippy writes with Brian Scott Rippy. Transcripts can be obtained by drinking a fifth of bourbon, ramming your head through some drywall, and then writing down every thought you have. What's up? Happy Wednesday night, Thursday, whenever you're listening to this. I am Brian Scott Rippy. On the other end of the line is Colin Brister. Uh, I've let him have like a week off in between each podcast, so this is his summer vacation. I appreciate you hanging out with us for another edition of the Rippy Writes podcast. Today we'll probably talk some mock draft, maybe some 2021 or excuse me, 2022, crazy to say, Ole Miss roster projection. Just a little like pre-draft thing with it being this weekend. Probably get into some other stuff. But uh, that's kind of probably going to be the show today as we kind of hit the heap of dead season. What's up, man? Not much, not much. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, it's uh, it's it's kind of getting into that doldrums of the offseason, right? Like you kind of had baseball finish up and or from a college standpoint. And then you've got, what, like two months off? I think two months from today, exactly, Ole Miss will, will play a football game against Louisville. Yeah, it really is kind of crazy, and it, like, snuck up on you fast because even with Ole Miss gone, there was some other stuff to talk about, some other stuff to put in the newsletter. And then I took a vacation to Newport Beach, which we'll get to later because I think I want to rank my top five West Coast guys, just caricatures <laughs> of guys. Um, but anyway, I left on a Thursday morning real early. And I got back Monday night, and I knew I needed to put up at least two podcasts this week. And I struck out on, like, a guest or two. And all of a sudden, it got to last night. And I was like, shit, what are we going to talk about this week? Like, <laughs> how is this going to work? And I got, You've got to have some frequent flyer miles by this point. I, I probably do. I've, I've pretty much done all American as well because American Airlines, like, international headquarters or whatever is, like, you know, two miles from here. And that's pretty much right. what you get with DFW. But the deal, one of the things I learned with the whole MLB internship is, is the frequent flyer deals is kind of not a scam, but if you travel a lot, it's not quite enough to uh, make it worth your while, particularly if you're not traveling long distances, if that makes sense. Like if you're going uh, to coast, West Coast regularly, you can rack up some miles, but like baseball riders going from Chicago, St. Louis and all that. Not as much. So I'll have to check in on that. I don't think I'm winning any free tickets or anything yet, but I got to be close to there. <laughs> he might get you a trip back to Oxford for free eventually, right? Exactly. That would be worth <laughs> it or hell. I don't know. With the way they do the points in these reward systems these days, the like, congrats on taking 2,000 flights. Here's a thing of peanuts next time you come on. <laughs> <laughs> Some complimentary internet that doesn't work. 
yeah, we'll see how it goes. And so I, I texted you like a week or two ago, I think, talking about like doing some pre-draft stuff. And then all of a sudden, like a light bulb went off. I was like, oh, it's this weekend. So we do have something. Yeah, when is the draft? I guess, I mean, I know it's soon. It's like this week. What is it next Monday or so? When is it? I believe it is the. I believe they're doing it on a weekend. I think. Let me make sure. I believe. I wonder. I had it written down in my notes as uh, July tenth. Uh, but let's make sure on this, which is probably bad. We don't know. Sorry. No, Sunday, July eleventh. So it starts on a Sunday, ends on a Tuesday. That's weird, but sure. So I think that is weird. I don't understand the Sunday Tuesday thing. Uh, they definitely wanted to change it to where you know, away from this system of, hey, let's tell this kid while he's playing in a Super Regional, congrats, yeah. you're going to be a Red Sox. Like, a, a la yeah. Bobby Dahlback or whatever that kid was that was so good in Starkville a couple of years ago. I just remember watching that on TV. I, wasn't there some talk, like, before COVID, the draft was going to happen, like, you know, the night before Omaha started or something like yeah, that? Yeah, I think that was, that was, that was going to be the plan, was they'd do the draft on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, and then have Omaha start on. On Saturday, wasn't there going to be an MLB game in Omaha? Did there that... was uh, in 2019, I believe. But and yeah, there. COVID nixed it. Yeah, yeah. COVID ruined everything. Yeah, COVID sucks. Yeah, it, it's over though. It is. It's. <laughs> I'm just glad to be able to go back and go to sporting events, which we'll get to later because I got I went and saw Otani, which I want to talk to him about later. But uh, let's just get right into it. So. Ole Miss is in an interesting position. I find this type time of year very interesting, and I think other people do too. One of the last two years I was working actually covering Ole Miss baseball as like a beat reporter, I would kind of do at the end of the year, I'd, get, I'd wait a couple weeks, and then I would try to – I would do a lineup forecast for 2022 pre-draft and kind of have a disclaimer like, hey, this is what I think is going to happen in the draft, and then see how accurate it was and updated it. And it actually, like, ended up getting pretty good traffic. So I think, for the most part, people are interested in sure. this type of stuff, despite having a coach that's in year 21 and has been to Nebraska twi- once. Uh, but, like, it's kind of – it's an interesting time, I guess, is what I'm trying to so, get at, because you're trying to shape the roster next year. And it seems like every year you kind of have, like, well, if you can get this guy back and, you know, maybe if you have good luck with the high school kids – it seems like Ole Miss has less of that. You know, it's the it's the Jackson Job thing, but is that really a thing? And it really comes down to like, I don't even know where I want to start, but it comes down to Elko, right? I don't think Graham and Bench are going, and I've just threw a bunch yeah. about you. Let's start with high school. You would be more so, interested than me. So, so give me the high school the, lowdown. Sure. The thing with well, yeah, I don't really think there's anything to discuss other than Job, um, and and people. So. It's two different, or it's not two different conversations with Joe, but it is a conversation. People are just saying, oh, he's gone, it's done, it's over. I don't think it's necessarily that, but I think it's fourth and 37 at, you know, I think you got to throw a Hail Mary. Like, I think that, you know, you have a shot, but I, I don't, you know, some people are just conceding him to the major leagues. I'm not willing to go that far, but I think it's less than probably 10%. Is that fair? Yeah, I would say that's fair. I mean, it's one of those things where who's the? Here's a good way to frame it. In for in your, I say lifetime. In your like Ole Miss watching sure. days, who is the most shocking guy to show up on campus? Um, that's uh, Gunner. Um, Gunner was one. Gunner Gunner was one. Uh, just because he got drafted in the first round, and usually those guys go. Um, that's. I mean, that's about it. I can't really recall anybody else that, that 
shocked me with Gunner. Uh, there's been some shock, some that have shocked me and gone, but uh, yeah, other than Gunner, I can't really recall anyone. Yeah, I can't really. I guess, so so let, I'll, let me say this: it shocked me that they got all three of or all four of Rollison, Johnson, Kessinger, Dillard to campus that collective four more than they just got Gunner to campus. Does that make sense? Like the fact that they didn't lose any of those four compared to Gunner surprised me a little bit more. Right. Because there was a world. I remember like a month and a half out where it's like half these guys are like the kind of general fan consensus I would say is, you know, half these guys may not show up and I don't I have no idea why I remember this, but there was like a Thomas Dillard tweet that was basically like stay tuned or just watch. Do you remember what I'm talking about? And then I remember they all just yeah. showed up. Yeah, the the Cooper was the one that shocked everybody, I think. Yes, because of pretty much – I mean, pretty much due to the way he projected. Like, it was kind of yeah. like, holy hell, like this kid has a major league pop time coming out of high school type of thing. So, I, I guess there's not a whole lot to talk about. Like, I mean, I'm going through it. The Hunter Elliott, Braden Sanders, Timothy Samay, Brock Hill, Riley Maddox, Blake McGee. I know it's hard to keep up with it because I, I admittedly, like, I know who these guys are. Like, baseball recruiting is hard to follow. Is there anyone else that sticks out to you out of that where it's like, and eh, maybe? Um, no, and, you know, I, I don't think that includes Juco kids, but I don't really think there's much worry there either. Um, it's Joe, and, and that's pretty much it. I mean, you know, I I don't really think Ole Miss expects that, that – anybody else is a possibility to go you know usually there's always that one kid that could possibly get you know uh a decent amount of money in the seventh or eighth round and go like a couple of years ago i think trail four was a possibility for that um i think the dodgers maybe had offered him a decent amount of money um and he had to turn them down and you know I, there's always that kid but it doesn't even seem like there's that flyer type kid this year it kind of just feels like it's it's job and and all eyes are on him I don't know how much you read into it, and I haven't a ton, but there's been a little bit of, of, of Tiger's buzz with Jackson Job. Have you seen this? Yeah. Yeah. I saw him at three. Uh, I saw him at nine to the Angels um, in Fangraph's mock draft uh, yesterday. I think if he falls out of the top ten, it probably gets interesting, right? Yes, probably, because that's when you start talking about, like, you know, I mean, look, if you go from like two to seven and it's like, you know, five versus three and a half or five versus four, whatever. Let's pull up actual like slot values. Yeah, that's actually a good thing to have. I probably should have had it up already. Um, But yeah, like when you get outside the top 10 to your point, that's when it really kind of starts getting into, you know, actual differences in real money. So let's see what we got here. So if he goes third, that's 7.2 million. See, th this is where I th think I'm right. And, and maybe I'm crazy, but I think I'm right here. Number, the third pick is 7.2 million. Okay. That's a lot of money. The ninth or the 10th pick is 4.7 million. It's $3.5 million worth of difference. At that point, it's probably a conversation at least. Yeah. You're Wait, exactly no, it's right. 2.5, excuse me, 2.5. But yeah. So it's two point two point five, yeah. Two, for the if he goes third, it's seven point two million, and if he goes tenth, it's four point seven million, which is about two point five million dollars worth of difference. Yeah, I guess if you, yeah, I don't know, and maybe I'm just thinking I, about it from a dumb, dumb brain perspective. But like, if the Reds offered me three point six at seventeen, uh, your boy's signing. Sorry. 
Yeah, I am too, but my dad's also not a professional golfer. Okay, but also, also fair enough. Wait, that's Brant Job's kid? Yep. Really? Yeah. I didn't know that till recently, but it was saw it on the I saw it on the message board and I was like, Oh, how about that? Dude, if they luck out and they get Johnny Bench and Brant Job's kid, that's a, <laughs> that's a hell of a uh, parents weekend for the baseball team. That's uh that's something that actually makes a ton of sense. And I don't know why I know so much about Brant Job, but I knew he was kind of a southwest ish guy. And uh the fact that uh Jackson is from Oklahoma City makes way more sense now. Okay. Hey, hey, speaking of, since you know, look, uh, there's not a ton of draft buzz. I was going, I want to, I want to make a proposition to you about how Ole Miss should start doing baseball and, and how they can be better in baseball. You want to hear it? Rich dads. Okay, okay, that's one. But now hear me out here. Ole Miss should figure out a way to get like an apartment complex in Oxford to sponsor all the baseball players like the NIL thing and just give them free rent. And there you're boom, you're operating on like 16 scholarships. Now. Well, that's funny. That's actually something I had written down and, and Chase and I got into it this a little bit last night and we could probably do it a strictly more baseball centric one uh, here in a second, but like the whole name image and likeness where the, the Tim Elko's of the world getting the local money, like Tim Elko's not signing with Barstool or anything like that. Although I say that a couple Baseball Leatherwood did. I was about to say that might not be the best example. He's not signing with, you know, I don't know, pick a national brand. You get what I'm sure. saying. Probably a right. lot locally. That's uh it's not completely evening the playing field, but it's shrinking the gap in terms of the scholarship thing because you know, a lot of kids, and I made this point on the other one, but like a lot of kids are, you know, your room and board or whatever, or books, like pick it what it is. Like what is, how much more is that than, a, I don't know, an $800 name, image, and likeness deal? Yeah, that's what, that's what I'm saying. If, you know, what's an apartment complex in Oxford? And I don't mean to screw anybody over. I said, like, I don't know, the connection. Hey, get the connection to sponsor six condos, let them do some advertisements and stuff, and boom, all your kids don't have to pay to live anymore. Now you're operating on 17 or 18 scholarships, and you're doing it within the confines of the rules. I don't know. I feel like I feel like this could really help Ole Miss at some point. The NIL thing, especially well, I baseball. Think it, I think it helps all the kids without scholarship advantages. I, all the kids, all the programs without scholarship advantage. I think that's undoubtedly because you you mentioned the connection and all that, and I'm sure rent has gone up a little bit in Oxford since I left. But it's, 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 it's real quick on that. Years. Not not really because. Apartments are having trouble filling apartments nowadays. I guess I didn't think about the COVID factor into all that, but I guess point being, if you got a three bedroom at the connection or somewhere, sure. decent, even if you want to go upper end, that couldn't be more than six fifty a person a month. I mean, yeah. maybe I'm off right. in the ballpark. There's somewhere in that range, and sure. four or something. It's probably less than that. Uh, that's not that's money that Ole Miss doesn't have to pay for those kids to like live, and that's yeah. that, that's significant. And, and it essentially adds scholarships. And, and Ole Miss operating on 16 to 17 scholarships becomes a bear. Um, because, you know, I mean, let's just keep it real. If a kid has a full scholarship or 80% scholarship to Georgia and 80% scholarship to Ole Miss, 90% of the time Ole Miss is probably going to get that kid. The issue is usually when Georgia offers 80%, Ole Miss can only offer 40 or whatever. Yeah, absolutely. And so, I, you know, no one wants to hear this because everyone's so pissed that Bianco's still the head yeah. or whatever. Like, I get no one wants to hear that. But long term, whoever the coach is, yeah. you know, this, 
you know, in the next five years, I am really fascinated to see how this affects things because I think it really could shrink the gap in this, in, in this uneven playing field, you know, because yes, could you go to LSU and get on a full ride and do the name image likeness thing? Yes. But could you go to Vanderbilt and start doing name image and likeness? Because unless you're Kumar Rocker or Jack Leiter, the local, not like, I, I, maybe I'm wrong, but I, I don't think any bar or restaurant, whatever brand in Nashville, like gives a shit what Vanderbilt baseball does. Maybe I'm right. wrong. at least not to the same um, degree. That's probably unfair. And, and you're right. Like people are get frustrated when we talk about this because of Mike. Like, yeah, like you said, this isn't even a Mike thing. Like Mike can be gone next year for all I, you know, for what I'm talking about. It's, it's the long term aspect of Ole Miss it's you know if Cliff Godwin or whoever's the coach here in five years it's hey are you operating on 16 or 17 scholarships because if you are man it's it's it, like that changes the perception of your job right like if you're able to to operate on you know scholarships like Florida and LSU and Georgia or somewhere around there then you know uh, you're, you're no longer a top, you know, 15 job. It's a top five job. And, you know, some people will say, well, if Ole Miss can do it, well, then so can Florida. You really think Florida boosters are going to, you know, shell out money for Florida baseball, like you said, with Vanderbilt. Georgia boosters going to shell out money for Georgia baseball? No, not really. So it kind of, like you said, it's just going to even the playing field with this. Yeah, and there's two things I'd like to go off that because I thought you were going in the exact same direction I was, but it was similar but not – the, the same thing. And I guess the first point I was going to, you know, the argument that people have against Bianco, and I'm not getting into this today, but you, we heard it a lot with fan interest or whatever, and how the program's become a part of the community. That, to me, didn't really hold a bunch of water. The fact that there's 11,000 people at Swayze or whatever is not swaying a ton of kids. But doesn't that change it now that they can make money off said interest and said branding and said fandom? Like Tim Elko's a bigger star at Ole Miss than he would have been at Georgia. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. It's a whole fan interest thing for Ole Miss State and you know Arkansas. I know they have the bordering states thing. That that matters more now. And the other part I was going to go off of that where he started talking about, well, if Ole Miss can do 16, Florida can do 30 or whatever. At a certain point, does it matter? If Vanderbilt's already got 20-something in a year, you can only have what? How, how big's the travel roster? 27, I think. And odds are the kids on the back end, whether they're on a full ride or not, are not that good. Like, there's a certain yeah. point where people having I – mean, Hell, I saw Vandy have – Vandy couldn't throw a strike in the College World Series, so. Exactly, exactly. That's exactly <laughs> what I'm getting at. Like, you know what I mean? Like, is, is, is Vandy having 35? Is that that much more of an advantage? There's only so many dudes you can put in a uniform, and there's only so yeah. many dudes that are going to be that good contributing for you. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's, I know we were supposed to do draft preview, but that's one of the more interesting things I think that's, you know, maybe not talked about enough regarding Ole Miss baseball because, man, if, if you're starting to, you know, have restaurants and, you know, apartment complex sponsors you and it's done legally, it's like, well, you know, and you can't really complain about scholarships anymore. And, and, and I know this is kind of into the future a little bit because recruiting class for this year is sealed and whatnot, but yeah, it just, it just kind of seems like this is an opportunity where if Ole Miss wants to take advantage or boosters want to take advantage and, and make Ole Miss, you know, uh, operate on some of the same scholarship numbers that some of their opponents do, that, that is something they could certainly do. Now, I, do I know if they'll do that? I have no idea. I'm just saying the opportunity's there. Oh, absolutely. And who the hell cares? It's July. This is what I should have texted you that we were going to talk about. Who the hell cares about the draft? I find it fascinating. I, I wonder the long-term effect of this, and I, I just wonder – like across all sports, there's going to be unintended consequences of this. And that doesn't have to mean it's a bad thing. But just across all sports, what I'm fascinated 
about like this is, is someone's going to game this better than everyone else, right? I don't know how. I'm not smart enough to figure out how. But someone is going to take this and form some sort of system, whether it's football, basketball. I don't know about basketball. These kids were already getting so much money anyway. Football, baseball, whatever, and do it better than the others. And I'm fascinated over the next half decade, two years, whatever time period you want to put on it, because I think it's going to take some time to figure out what that is and who does that. Does that make any sense? I'm not smart enough to figure out what it is, but you know anytime something earth-shattering happens and changes the landscape of any sport or any sort of ecosystem, there's going to be a consequence you didn't think about, and I'm curious as to what that is. That's a really good point. It's, it's like you said, there's always someone's going to find a loophole in the rule, and it's interesting to see who does and how they do it. Look, I just figured it up. Um, it, here's what it would cost to have. So I did four uh, a four-bedroom condo at the Connection, um, and I gave them six condos. That's 24 players. Um, you really wouldn't need – probably wouldn't need but five, but I did six because you're going to – freshmen have, still have to live on the dorm. It would cost $122,000 a year to give guys free housing. Um, I don't know if that's an expense Ole Miss can deal with, but I feel like, you know, it, it, it's something worth talking about and trying to figure out a way to, to make that work and, and, you know, even up the scholarship advantage somehow. Now, look, Ole Miss can't do it. I mean, they can't just go to the connection and say, hey, sponsor our guys or whatever. I'm just using the connection because that's where I live for three years. Um, but it, it, it is something that I, don't, I wonder if at some point happens because that's that's it's just like we've been saying it's one way to even things up man oh i agree and like if they hundred twenty two thousand, yeah that that evens it up and like that someone's gonna do something like that and like if it was a place like the retreat it'd be like look we'll give you this but you have to spend x amount of days shirtless at our pool sitting on a yeti <laughs> that's our brand and we're gonna stick with it anyone who's lived at the retreat will understand that probably not a ton of people but i don't care like, it's going to be fascinating to kind of watch this play out, particularly as it pertains to baseball and uh, even evening the ga- evening the playing field slightly or closing the gap, however you would like to look at it. Reeling it back in a little bit, like, towards the draft, could sure. we get, like, Dessler or someone on the phone with Jackson Job and just be like, look, man, how would you like to become the official ball player of the library? That's a genius idea. Yes, it is. I'm full of genius ideas. I, I guess it all right, was, all right, all right. Here, here's my thing, though. Here's my thing. Would you do that, or would you just call Doug Nikhazy and be like, hey, man, what's it going to take? <laughs> I know what they're offering you, but look, like, you know, you know, how would you like to dominate karaoke night or whatever the hell they is? Technically, Doug's got two years. We could, you know, make it a two-year contract. Yeah, Jackson I, – I hate that. I hate I brought that up because Jackson Job <laughs> – not 21. We don't condone any sort of underage drinking behavior here. So Jackson Job would have to – I know the corner bar is not there anymore, but, like, how would you be like to be the official, you know, flip night corner bar guy who has X's on his hands because he's underage? Like, I, I don't know. Anyway, I'm That's just messing with terrible ideas. Yeah. Hey, let's do this. Let's do this. Um, so we, we talked about, uh, you know, the high school guys, Jackson Job's really the only one to pay attention to. And, and we can – I mean, we can both give our answers. Let's do this. Percentage that these guys have played their last games at the University of Mississippi. Guys that are draft eligible. I like this. So, so percentage that they have played their last game at the University of Mississippi. Let's see what you've got. Justin Bench. Oh. 10? 15? 10. I'll go five. 
I'm I'm pretty confident he's back. I have to ask because he's draft eligible. Uh, I'm pretty sure Peyton Shatnyak. Uh oh, they're four. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. yeah. something like that. Number yeah. five, could I go two? Um, again, draft eligible. I guess he could get a free agent deal if he wanted it. Uh, Hayden Leatherwood. I mean, why? What? What is that? Unless he's really confident and is really going to enjoy a lot of minor league baseball. Yeah, I'm coming back from him. I'd say two. I don't know. Like, yeah. I would, like, All right. I don't want to put too low and sound like an idiot in two weeks, but like I just. Because you know, you for every one of those kids, there's a Jacob Waggis pack, right? Like you sure. just never know. Waggis uh, pack was a little different deal, but yeah, he was. And credit to him, that actually that actually worked out for him. How's he doing these days? Is he still in the? Uh, he's he's in AAA again, but you know he's made it up twice now, I believe. Um, Wags got money from a team that Waggis wanted to go to, and and he thought the Phillies were a good fit for him, and uh, turned out it was. So um, and they, he wound up getting traded to the Blue Jays, and it worked out for him. Um, let's see. Kevin Graham. I guess I'll give a little more credence. I don't know. 15. Yeah, I was going to say 20. Um, that would not be a total stunner. It would surprise no, I would not be me, but it wouldn't be jaw-dropping. All right. I'll, I'll save the, the best for last. Uh, Gunnar Hoagland. I don't know, man. I saw he was in top ten. He may want to come back and try to get that. Hundred percent for me. Hundred yeah. <laughs> percent. Um, like I'm I don't even know. And I'm being serious here. I'm not sure Gunner could pitch next year at Ole Miss if he wanted to. Yeah, no kidding. And the fact like I don't know the timetable, but you know, I, I know those Tommy John surgery takes a while to recover. I'm not sure he'd even be back by June for next year. Maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, no, you're exactly right about that. Uh, and the fa- the other part of that is, is you know, we talked about when he did go down, like what, how would that affect his draft stock? And not to pat ourselves in the back, you know, he went from the 8 to 13-ish th- range yeah. of those mocks to, you know, mid to late 20s. Like, it I mean, there, a ton. that's there's money, a, not a ton. There, yeah, but there's a part of, like, MLB teams that are like, okay, good. Like, <laughs> I'm glad it happened now. Um because it was probably always going to happen. It's not a thing where, like, you bend your arm at the arm the wrong angle and it tears. Like, this was going to happen either now or in their system or at some point. Um, so it's they'd like probably the ACL and just... hoops. It's like now that doesn't scare people nowadays. No, I know no, Tommy John's no. a little more severe, but it, it doesn't deter teams now. Honest to God, if Gunner ended up in the teens, like that would not stun me at all. Like, if he no. had hired people thought, because, like you mentioned, it just doesn't scare folks. I saw him at 16 to the Reds. Um, I saw that. I saw uh, 20 to the Yanks, too. That'd be a good fit. Um, okay. Let's see. Doug Nikhazy. I don't know. I planted – you planted the Dessler seed in my head. So, for that reason, I'll go 90. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was going to – I was going to go 90, so – all right, and then then the one that uh, I figure most people are most interested in because it's realistic he could either go or come back, Tim Elko. Yeah. I, just I will know. go 51 that he has played his last game at Ole Miss, 51%. Okay, I was, at, you were, I was in the same range. I was going to go between 55 and 60, and just for the sake of the, the, the symmetry, I guess I will say 55. I'll go 55, okay. 45. But honestly, if because I, I I'm saying that I guess partially because honestly Ben at two four seven uh, both uh, good friends he keeps mine. telling me he's like he's not coming back and I'm like and he probably might 
so you know, I read this. I read the story that that Ben put out today, to where you know Elko's heard from people that he could go as early as four and as late as nine to twelve, and I'm not necessarily sure. I I doubt the the former as much as I doubt the latter. To where as as late as nine to twelve would it stun you if he like to me it would not be way less if he went in the fourth. Okay, someone took a flyer on him. Uh, like I I guess that would shock me less. Shock me more. I, I I can't. I'm think. I'm trying to think about this. That would shock me slightly more than if he dropped out past twelve. I guess what I'm saying. Like I yeah. think he dropped past the twelfth round. Like I, the way that story read, and I'm not critiquing Ben or the information that Elko's gotten was that was kind of like the way he said it. It seemed like a floor, and I'm not sure that's the floor. Yeah, I'm not sure. I think Ben just doesn't want me to freak out when the kid doesn't come back. I'm not sure he actually knows what. Tim's going to do because I'm not sure Tim knows what Tim's going to do. Um, yeah, it, Tim's kind of in it. And look, this, I say this, the poor kid's got his leg in a brace and, and just had ACL surgery. But, like, he's kind of in a no-lose situation, right? Like, you're going to either come back and be, like, one of the most beloved players at the University of Mississippi and never pay for a meal again in Oxford. Or somebody's going to give you $225,000 to go play for the Mariners. Like, you know, either thing that happens for Tim over the next seven to ten days is, is going to work out pretty well for him. Yeah, you're exactly right, and let's just play this out. And I, I said a second ago, and I don't think I finished the thought, the reason I said 45 is because I don't know Tim. If, if it's me, and granted, no one's ever offered me $225,000 sure. in the millions that people have tried to get me to sell this podcast for – to me, that doesn't seem as uh, that doesn't seem as appealing because that's a hell of a head start in life. Don't get me wrong. I, and sure. again, I wouldn't know what it's like to have twenty five two hundred twenty five thousand dollars at Tim Elko's age, whatever he is, twenty two, twenty three, whatever. That I, I think he's probably around twenty two. That doesn't seem as appealing to me to maybe to get not the same money next year, but have the a decent enough chance to kind of have someone take a flyer ish on you, and I know it'd probably be less money, than to come back and kind of finish your college career off, off, off right. Because isn't there – like, there even if I'm not getting paid and all that, and with the name, image, and likeness kicking in, isn't there a part of Tim Elko that wants to have a full college season and have this thing in right? Because there was such a yeah. build-up to him being the guy, and he, he was the guy, and then he had something incredibly unfortunate cut that about eight weeks short, and that really sucks. But part of me would be kind of haunted – if I was never able to finish off a college season like that, maybe he doesn't care. Maybe I'm wrong, but it seems like he cares. Yeah. If I'm Tim and, and again, this is contingent on everything going right with ACL surgery and him recovering, it, you know, odds are that he'll be fine. If he comes back and correct me if I'm wrong, he's the best hitter in college baseball next year. Like, like coming back. I'm, I'm not sure that I know of one who would be statistically better than Tim Elko who is returning. Maybe I'm wrong, but, you know, coming back and being one of the best players, if not the best hitter in college baseball, has to be appealing. Um, you're going to put up insane numbers. Now, yes, you're not going to have the leverage that you have this year, and you're not going to probably get the same money that you would get uh, this year. But, I mean, you know, it, it, at some point, and I don't know, you know, his financial situation or what number he wants or anything like that. But, yeah, I mean, I, I do think that, you know, there is there is a number where, um, it's not enough to warrant giving up, you know, playing baseball in college and enjoying college life rather than going and riding 
buses in, you know, Ontario or wherever the hell, you know, Dubuque, Iowa, or wherever in God's name they play. Um, New Hampshire, at some point, like, number's not enough for that and compared to what you would walk back into if you came back to Ole Miss. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. And, I, yes, he's going to get screwed on the money. It's not going to yes. be the same amount of money. I, that, I probably undersold that a second ago. I mean, at the same time, is there? You would probably know a little bit better than I do for sure. Like, is there anything to the fact that he was a more toolsy, projectable prospect coming out of high school than a couple of the other guys in the last half decade that were just turned into really good college hitters, came back for the fourth year, and teams took a flyer on him because you know they were whatever conference player of the year than that. Like, is the fact that he was more projectable coming out of high school carry any weight? Um, some, but you know, and, and here's the thing. Um, so, and I want to be careful how I say this. Sometimes when you get these senior signs, right? Like they'll sign guys in the sixth round so they can give them $15,000 and save, it, save their bonus pool. Right. Like, does that make sense? They, yeah. they don't really want the guys, but they know they can get them for pretty cheap. Like Tim Elko, if, if he comes back, He's a guy that someone wants. Like, he's not the guy that they want to give $15,000 just so they can save their money. No, he's someone that you would want in your franchise because he's ridiculously strong with ridiculous opposite field power and plays a pretty good defense at first base. Um, I'm not saying that you're you're right, and and I said this earlier, the money would be different, but it's not the situation of, okay, get this guy because we can screw him and give him $10,000 and save the money. No, like, people will legitimately want this kid um, and want the kid to be part of their organization. So, um, will the money be the same in 2022's MLB draft? No, but I don't think it's going to be a complete screw job like we've seen before where guys get five or $10,000. Maybe that's 75 to to Um, and, and now would he probably get more this year? Yeah. But um, I don't think it's going to be where it's just astronomically different. But, but it, like you said, it would be different. I think it'll probably be half the money if he does wind up coming back. And, and at the end of the day, the decision for him has to be, um, is that worth coming back to Oxford and, and playing the extra year? And like you said, if it was me, I'd have a tough time not doing that. But I'm not in Tim Elko's shoes, and I'm never in, I've never been the athlete, nor will I ever be the athlete that that, that kid is. It's not the it's not the Jake Mangum where his draft slot was like four eighty seven and four hundred eighty seven thousand dollars and he got twenty. I think he got yeah. exactly twenty. Um, yeah. I was actually about to c- compare him to Britt Rooker, but I always forget that Rooker was a red shirt junior and could have technically yeah. come back. And, and Rooker still got a million for the Twins, and I actually think got caught up at some point in the COVID. Yeah, game. he played last year. Yeah, I was about to say I thought that. So I guess it's not exactly the same, but I think you're right in that sense as well. I think that's the type year Tim could have the. The, oh, absolutely! I know. Not, not, and if there's any state people listening to it, wasn't Rooker the triple crown kid? Like that's, yes. uh, it sounds outlandish, but that level and ter- like level ish, like not winning. He was close to doing it this year. Yeah, th- no kidding. It's not. You look at the numbers; it's not as far as you think. You're right on that, but I don't know. I just felt weird saying he would he'd win. His batting average, and and I'll say this because people, his batting average took a dip when he came back because everything was. I got to hit it in the air. If he was like in had an intact ACL and hadn't had the unfortunate mess up with North Alabama, and he's still trying to shoot line drives all over the place, the batting average would have been insane too. Uh, yeah, sure. He, I mean, his his approach changed as a hitter when he came back. Yeah. I mean, it had to. he could he could you know he ran to his credit he ran better than I ever thought he would. Um, but yeah, Florida State. Yeah, his his approach changed. So anyway, yeah, I I, I guess. 
So if you're having to like boil it down, and we obviously haven't talked to Tim Elko, don't really know his thinking, it, it kind of making the case on both sides, doesn't it kind of come down to what he values more, whether it's kind yeah. of the coming back and becoming a legend in Oxford and all that. He's already pretty damn well on his way um, <laughs> because of what he did last year of the postseason and giving it one more ride and kind of cementing himself to an even higher degree of, I guess, college stardom, you know, legend, however you want to phrase it, or taking a pretty good head start on life, getting healthy and trying to do this professional baseball thing, right? Like it, it's what he yeah. value because you're going to lose money. It's just how much do you, how much are you going to estimate you're going to lose? And how much do you value that lost money over, you know, maybe making it back up by, hell, I don't know, in 10 years owning the Oxford real estate market or some shit. Right. So here's here's my thing. It's it's To me, it's got to be really all about the money because – and maybe I'm crazy here. Um, I don't necessarily think a year more in Oxford hurts Tim Elko's hopes of playing in the major leagues. Like, I think if he – I think if he comes back to Oxford um, – he's got just as much chance of playing major league baseball as he does if he goes pro this year. Um, what those odds are, I don't know. I tend to think that the kid will play major league baseball at some point. Cause I just think that opposite Phil power travels and they can turn that into something. Um, so I, I don't necessarily think that, you know, he has to be this guy that I've got to get into an organization right now. And that's how, that's my quickest path to major league baseball. I don't, I don't really think either way hurts him I think he's he's kind of going to be on the same trajectory whether that's this year or next year as far as getting to the uh, pinnacle of, of baseball well said particularly on it just being about the money and like that sounds like uh, it's like making Elko sound shallow but no 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 conversation like that's not what we're talking about it is it boils down to the money because I think you're right I don't think it hurts his chances uh, per se is there anything to the fact of you saying that brought up one more thought I had is there anything to the fact of wanting to come back I guess I don't know this sounds I guess this is dumb because the kid was still mashing home runs on a healthy ACL but kind of wanting to test it and stuff in the field and kind of make sure you're good to go at the college level instead of slipping early on in high a ball no I, I don't really think so because um I mean frankly if they offer him enough money to go to high a ball like they they value him enough where that wouldn't really matter fair enough so we made the case Gun to your head. I know you already put the percentage in. This is redundant. Is he at Ole Miss next year? No, but I, I'm making a will. Um, making a pretty pretty detailed will. I don't I don't know, and I have no insight on that. I just I, – it's the thing where I, I, I think the kids – I think the kids a valued commodity, and I think there will be a team that pays him enough money to and, – and, again, this is just me guessing – um, I don't again, no insight here, but I, I just think that he's good enough and he's valued enough that a team will give him enough money where, where it's worth his while to go. I think you're probably right, but I'm not shocked one bit if he starts at third base for almost next year, though. Yeah, I just don't know. And so that probably transitions to the other half of our conversation is let's and we don't have to spend a ton of time on this because we'll probably do this again in two weeks and all the signings and all that stuff have shaken out and who's coming to campus and who's not but like we'll do this two ways if Elko is not at Ole Miss next year what is the lineup um all right so Peyton Dunhurst is catching uh Peyton Chatonier is at second base Jacob Gonzalez is at short Kevin Graham's in left Hayden Leatherwood's in right 
So I need a center fielder, a third baseman, and a first baseman. We're saying that he is not at Ole Miss next year? Yes. Okay. Um, I mean, I'm guessing T.J. McCants back in the center, Justin Mitch at third, Calvin Harris at first. I think think that's my lineup. And then Ben Van Cleve uh, uh, or maybe somebody I'm forgetting um, is your D.H.? Why not bench or Gonzalez at – or excuse me, why not uh, – why not McCants or Gonzalez at third, whichever one of them's not that insured, and let bench play center field? Because he played a pretty good center field. My, my response to that would be, why didn't they do that this year? Ex- well, yes. Well, <laughs> part of that was bench kind of having a bad back for a little bit, right? Like, is there anything – Yeah, but that happened before the bad back, too. I guess you're right about that. It happened right at, at the start of conference play. Because Justin Bench, and this is this has made me laugh the past two years. So 2020 and 2021, Justin Bench did played left field um, every game in non-conference in 2020 up until the last series uh, where he moved to center field. And then this year, in every non-conference game, he played center field. And at, at the day conference play started, my man moved to third base. So that's happened two years in a row. Yes, he went from left field to center field right before conference play was going to begin. But my, my man started, like, I think every game except one in center field, and I think he moved into second base once because Chatagnier was hurt and they put uh, Plumlee in center. But, yeah, he, he, he got thrown at a new position uh, right before conference play was going to start two years in a row. Um, so maybe he starts at third base this year and then transfers to first base uh, right as conference play is going to begin. They need a first baseman. Uh, If Justin Bench is and his defensive ability is wasted at first base, I might I might hurt someone. Can you get any matter? Is it like like to to, eventually people are going to run out of things to be mad at the guy about? Uh, Yeah, I'm not mad they moved Bench to third. I get it this year, but it's just kind of funny. Is there any shot the flip side of that happens where TJ McCants is the shortstop and Jacob Gonzalez plays third base? Uh, I think there's a chance. I think before I say or predict it, I'll just have to see it before I believe it. Um, I mean, he's he, Gonzo, I think, is the starting shortstop on Team USA. So, going to have to play real well to get him out of there. Yep, that is very true. Hey, I, hey, I, I had this discussion with friends yesterday. Uh, if there's someone that is going to take a massive offensive step on the Ole Miss baseball team, who do you have? I think my answer is going to surprise you, but I want you to go first. Ooh. Okay, let me think about this for a second. Massive offensive step. Mm -hmm. I can't think of anyone because they had two kids that were pretty good for most – or three kids that were pretty good for Mm -hmm. most of the year then started slumping late. I guess I'll go Dunhurst. I was going to go Jacob Gonzalez. I think he's got a chance to hit, like, something absurd, like 398 or something. I, I think his approach is going to really, really play. And, and, and the power is already there. He hit 10 home runs this year. I think he's going to hit something ridiculous the next two years. I don't mind that answer, and that's probably a decent one because I had trouble thinking of anyone, right? Like, I guess you could have said McCants, but for three-quarters of the season, or I guess he kind of got inserted late half, three-quarters of what he played yeah. was pretty damn good. Um, I don't know. Could you see Shat just being ridiculous from an average and an on-base percentage standpoint? Yeah. 
I think that's the one where if he can improve plate discipline, he's got a really good chance to to be really good. Um, he he reminds me approach wise, and please don't please don't misconstrue this. Anyone listening, I don't mean he's the same type player, the same type hitter, but approach wise, he reminds me a little bit of Greg Kessinger. Like, he's going to try to pull the baseball, and that's where he's best, and I don't mind that at all. Um, but Gray had better plate discipline. And so if, if Peyton can improve and, and be more selective on pitches that he tries to hit, I think he's got a real chance to, to be, you know, a guy that hits 300 and has an 880 OPS and hits seven or eight homers. I mean, he ran into a power surge there in the postseason. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think that's completely possible. No, I lo- I love that comparison because the other side of that is what you mentioned there at the end is it wouldn't be shocking to see a little power bump from Shaq. You know what I mean? The way Kessinger had that yeah. late. It went from, you know, this guy's only playing because of his last name. <laughs> God. <laughs> to what? I think he went from what? Two. Yeah, he went two. what I'm trying to think. Two home runs in freshman year to eight to seven like he was an eight-ish home run a year guy the the ball he hit in Fayetteville Arkansas at that super regional should have counted as three home runs though yes and it was off Amanda and Elijah (laughs) Tress because I watched Elijah Tress just stare at Kessinger like not even mad just like damn I don't know what to say as the umpire was shoving him down the first baseline that day because the ball had already landed I think the drunk kid that caught it was already contemplated throwing it back and Kessinger was still holding his bat like (laughs) He hit that ball 485 feet. He knew it. So I like that, to have a little power bump. So kind of the flip side of that, I won't make – I won't say let's do the lineup if Elka is back. Sure. What is, like what kind of – what is – this sounds ridiculous to say, and the last thing we'll get to is the pitching side of it, and we mm-hmm. don't get too deep into it because there's some transfer stuff. But should Elko come back, how does that change the ceiling of this team in terms of like – I guess mm-hmm. how does that change your expectations of them? Because I guess so- they come from really good offense to really like great, I guess is probably yeah. a tangible term intangible way to put it so it's hard to to name the ceiling right now because like you said we'll get into pitching here right now but I'll ask you this and you can give me a yes or no answer and and I'll tell you why I asked is there a Friday night starter currently on this roster I mean define Friday night starter is the guy they're going to start on Fridays already there yes absolutely is there a guy is there a guy that can be a quality Friday night starter on this roster I have to see it, so I'm going to say no. Okay. So, my ceiling because of that, even with Elko, is I think a 13 to 16 seed. Um, and then without him, I think it's maybe a 15 seed to high two seed um, because I, I'm just not sure how you win a ton of games without having a guy that's quality on Friday night. Look, I mean, I've seen guys make jumps all the time. Um, and there's one guy in particular that's going to get every opportunity. And, 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 you know, it's, 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 it's Derek Diamond year. It's, it's time to show up, but, and, and, you know, it, I, there's reason to believe he can be a lot better. And, and, you know, at times this year, he showed that he could be a Friday night guy in this league. Um, but without a consistent guy on Friday night, I struggle to see how this team can be a national seed type deal. But with Elko, I think they could be a late back end host or something without him maybe one of the last two host spots to a two seed is kind of what I envision. Honest to God, I, I don't have a ton to add there because I'm like, we, we literally could not have been more aligned in our thinking there. Cause that's where I was kind of going with that was of course it changes your ceiling to have one of the SEC, maybe the best hitter in the SEC next year back in your lineup. 
But there were times this year where they mashed and they still couldn't get out after the starter left. And now you're weaker potentially in the bullpen and in your rotation. And so I'm just not sure how much it matters. I, I could not agree more. So I don't have a ton to add. So we'll just skip directly into the last part of the conversation. Only, I'm just throwing this out here. There's one guy that I think Mike could be a Friday guy if it, it, they've got the mentality for it. The only problem was he had Tommy John surgery this year. Really? Okay, so that's not who I was going to go with. I was. I think Max has got the mentality for it. I just need to know how he's going to recover. Um, what about he, Doherty? I I don't think he's ready for. I think by the time he leaves, he could be. I think by the time I, I have a hard time seeing you go from red shirt to Friday night guy in one year. Um, I think Max has got real stuff. Maybe I'm crazy. I, I just I like his, his his stuff when, you know, he was really really good in 2020 before. Uh, COVID and then obviously was hurt this year, but and so we'll have to see because we we saw it with Tyler Myers, right? He like he had the Tommy John and wasn't very good at the beginning of the year, um, and then later in the year it became pretty pretty freaking good. So maybe it takes Max a while to recover, and that's not a realistic uh, thing. But I, you know, he's an older guy that's been in the in the wars in this league. I, I don't know. I, I think there's worse options than making Max Schofi a, a weekend starter if he's fully healthy. That's a part of it, though, right? Because that's what I was kind of getting at. One, it was it, it, not having Trophy last year at that bullpen really, really hurt them. And maybe it didn't matter at the very end because God, Arizona mashed everyone. Ole Miss went out through out there, but like, I, I think that would have changed where they were playing that weekend. If they have Trophy, they went on Sunday and start one. They went on Sunday in College Station. And they're probably playing the the round they lost in the Super Regional in Oxford instead. Yeah. So, it makes a yeah. difference from that sense. You can't look at it as, well, they wouldn't have beaten Arizona anyway. Well, they probably wouldn't have been playing Arizona. So. They probably beat LSU on Thursday night because they don't ask for three innings from Broadway. Yeah, we ran through it on a previous podcast, what Trophy's numbers were and what kind of the build for him was. Like, he was kind of poised to have – I hate the term breakout season, but he was kind of – poised to have a pretty big 2021 you go look at his appearance before the COVID shutdown he was really good but uh kind of finishing that thought off I guess I just I'm kind of like you like what he didn't even have that surgery until March-ish and like yeah and and maybe I should I don't necessarily think he can be the Friday guy I I just think he's a guy that could be in your rotation on Saturday or Sunday and could help you but at the end of the day you still have to find somebody that can get out consistently on Friday and the guy that has the stuff to do it is is the guy that I mean, frankly, everybody knows it's Derek Dom, and and it's his year. So, um, I mean, like it, like let's just say it like this: Who do you expect to throw in Game One for Ole Miss next year? It's Derek Diamond. I have no idea yep. who else it would even be close. Like it's it don't I'm not don't argue. Yeah, well, there, there's there's a transfer in there that they, that they're trying to get. Yes. So that's the other part of this equation. They cannot, and Chase brought this up last night, and I don't want to be too terribly redundant, but it doesn't matter, whatever. They can't be done in the transfer portal in terms of pitching. They just can't. Like, they, they have to get yeah, someone else and probably two more arms, and one of those guys has to be a weekend guy like you mentioned. Have you heard anyone that they're going after? No, but it sounds like you have. No, I, I have no idea. Um <laughs> I thought I thought you were kind of leading me down the road of like, look at this pebble I have in my hand. Um, I mean, I, there were there was some connections to I think the guy Cal State Fullerton, uh, Bibby, I think's his name, um, but I know he's a draft risk. Um, I think they, you know, going after him. But again, kids are draft risk, so 
not sure you want to put all your eggs in that basket. I don't know what's out there in the transfer portal. You know, Micah Dallas was out there. I was kind of hoping Ole Miss would get him, but he stayed in Texas and went to A&M. Um, outside of that, I, I don't really know what's available. I mean, I know there's one way to fix the Friday night issues, and that's pray to God somebody forgets about Jackson Job, because um, I can fix that one real quick if he shows up on campus. And John Gaddis will probably be in the rotation mix, but they expect him to be a Friday night guy coming from Texas A&M. No. It's just not realistic, right? His best case scenario that is he is a really good Saturday starter. I don't know who it is. And you mentioned the Cal State Fullerton guy, and he may be a decent example of what I'm trying to get at. With this whole well, with this whole draft thing and kids transferring in name, image, and likeness, is there a kid out there that was a – already good Friday night guy in a middle tier league or hell, even a Saturday guy in the SEC uh-huh. or somewhere else to where he doesn't like where he, he gets in the draft. And instead of going back to the school he's at where Mike's like, how would you like to come try your hand? Well, on Friday or Saturday uh, SEC? issue with that is you had to be in the transfer portal by July 1st. So, oh, okay. So I, I had no idea that that was a thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's, that's going to be tough. Um, still with that, still with that. Is there someone in there right now? That, that uh, I'm not sure. I, I don't know who's in. I mean, all of Arizona's team is apparently in the transfer portal, but apparently they're all going to LSU. I don't know how LSU is going to have 38 players on their roster next year, but apparently they're going to do it. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I, I'm hopeful that they can find someone in the transfer portal for sure um, because they, they need the, the guy they can throw on Friday night. And, you know, I, I was thinking about this. When, when I say oh, I need, they need a guy that can be on Friday night, I don't need Gunnar Hoagland on Friday night. Like, I don't, I don't need really Chris Ellis that had a 2.01 ERA. Um, I need Will Etheridge. Like, I, I need the guy that can just go out there and win me some games because my offense got the – it's got it covered. Like, the offense is good enough where if you could just give me a 3-5 ERA on Friday night, we're going to win some games because um, the offense is good enough to carry you at times. You don't need the dominant Friday night guy. You need the guy that's going to get drafted in the fifth round that can, you know, that can match up at times and, you know, maybe win a pitcher's duel or two, but really just keep you in the game um, and not let you get pitched out of the game. Uh, that, that, that's kind of the thing with Friday night. I don't need the dominant ace. I just need – I need Will Etheridge. If someone can go find Will Etheridge and put him on Friday night, I think the Rebs are going to be pretty good next year. But right now, I'm not sure that guy exists. It's a big if, and everyone talking about the Omaha or bust with Mike, and I think with the neighboring team in the state, Mississippi State winning a national title, whatever margin for error there was in between Omaha and whatever. I mean, it was it was nothing. I mean, they lost in a regional. It's not going to end well for uh, Mr. Bianco. No. Because they're aware he came back if he lost to Super. I think that margin might have shrunk. And like you mentioned, there's, the, the there's no in the capital season. for Mike out. Go ahead. I was just going to say, there's no capital gain for Mike outside of winning the national title. Like, I, I don't think people are going to either be either more on his side or against him unless he wins a national title. Because at this point, with what State did last week, it's like, well, you know, you went to Omaha and went one and two, they won, won the title. So, um, you know, and I'm not saying that's fair. It's not. But I do think that may be some reality for some fans. Yeah, maybe so. Capital and job security probably a little different, though, right? If you're sure. Omaha next year, he's buying it. No, home. he's not getting fired. <laughs> right. Yeah. No. no. So, no. I don't know. It's going to be fascinating. And I think probably the best encapsulation of, like, what they're up against and what they're having to deal with is neither one of us thinking that they're any sort of national seed or or lock host even with Tim Elko coming back. Like, they got to do something, yeah. not this mound thing. And that's that's what's going to be fascinating about this. So, 
Yeah, because, you know, I mean, we've said what? What have we said the past two Super Regionals when they got beat? What, what did we say each time? They just got beat by a better team. If you finish 14 to 16, you're going to play a better team, and you're going to have to go there unless they get upset in the regional. Um, what he's never done before. Technically did in 14, but you're right. No, no, um, I'm sorry. I thought you – I'm sorry. I, you, you had me wrong there. I thought you meant 14 and 16 SEC record where you're a two seed. Wait, what now? Sorry, when you said in 14 and 16, I thought you meant like a 14-16 SEC record to where you're a two no, seed. No, no, no. Is regional. I see what you're no, saying. I, what, yeah, no, I, I should be clear. No, I didn't mean 14 to 16 in SEC play. I meant a 14 to 16 seed. Yeah, no, no. Uh, I, I get what you're getting at. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, so if, you, if you're the 14 seed and you win, well, now you're going to the equivalent of Vanderbilt or Tennessee. Um or Texas, or who, Arkansas. I guess Arkansas got upset this year, but still. Um, you know, is it impossible? No. But, you know, we've said both times the past two years that you got to beat a better, better team. Reality is, if you're the 14 to 16 seed, you're going to play a better team. Whereas, if you're the 9 or 10, ten, nine or ten seed, right? Like, if you're Stanford going to Texas Tech, you may not be playing a better team. Maybe it's just having to play on the road. Um, so that's kind of the difference in, in you know, what, where, where seating matters. Well, good news is, is no one has to hate listen to this podcast at least again until February or uh, March <laughs> about uh, all of this. Before, uh, before we get out of here, I did go out to the West Coast over the week. And I might have to change up the scouting report. I got a little bit more West Coast in my game than I thought. I, I think I could make it happen out there. I'm not going to come back talking about, like, you know, swells in the best time to surf in Huntington Beach or shit like that. But uh, I was not as big a fish out of water as I thought. That being said, keeping it on the baseball front for now, I did go see Shohei Otani over the weekend. Have you heard of this man? Uh, I've heard something about him. Maybe he's a he's a pitcher and does a little hitting on the side. Yeah, so I – as we record this on a Wednesday night, would not piss me off, but I thought I was kind of like early-ish on something. And I know Michael Borky, my old radio colleague, has been beating this drum for a while. But I was listening to Bill Simmons and Rusillo's NBA podcast, and they started talking about Otani at the end and how it's kind of just criminal. This is not a bigger story and what that says about baseball and all of that stuff. That was the second time I've seen Otani in person because the first time I went to go visit my buddy out there in 19, Otani was just hitting, but I did see him live. He – I don't know how to describe this, and I wrote about this in today's newsletter. I, I don't want to sound exaggeratory. I, I can't do it justice. He seems like some sort of like mythical character. I saw Mike Trout the first time I was out there, and I was like, oh, cool, it's Mike Trout. I saw Otani on Sunday. He hit a ball 400 feet to dead center and looked like he just flicked the bat, and I was like, holy shit, this guy looks like something out of Space Jam. If there was a baseball Space Jam, I, 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 don't, I don't know. How do you describe Shohei Otani? Because it's, it's one of the most incredible things I've ever seen in my life, and it has yet to make a blip on the national radar. So – so for let's see, six years, who have we said is the best player in baseball? Mike Trout. Who is the best player in baseball right now? Shohei Otani. And guess who is the most popular player? That the hell with excuse me, the hell with baseball on the Angels. Who's the most popular player on the Angels? Shohei Otani. So explain to me how the Angels suck. Oh, it's 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 <laughs> it's mesmerizing to me. It's it's unbelievable. I mean, like Anthony Rendon's <laughs> playing third base for him. And he, well, he kind of sucks right now. Yes, but. he does. But you know, Pujols went out there to die because they gave him that terrible contract, and everyone else has just followed suit. Well, it's like 
it's one of those things where, like, I, I don't get, like, just absolutely jaw-dropped by much, but he hit that ball to – granted, they're playing the Orioles, but he hits that ball to dead center, and it looks completely effortless, and it went 460 feet. Like, it went <laughs> 30 yards or 20 yards. Over That's the, the thing, right? Like, he doesn't look like it takes a whole lot of effort to do what he does to a baseball, and he just destroys them. He went six against the Red Sox two nights later. <laughs> He hit one today against the Red Sox. Yeah, so it was like the perfect Otani encapsulation. So I'm sitting there, like, watching the game or whatever, and he hits the home run. And then the next half inning, the PA announcer is like, announcement, like, look at the scoreboard. And Otani has just been announced as the first guy ever to be voted in as a pitcher and a hitter. And I'm just like, how in the world is there not some sort of, like, Barry Bonds-type tracker on SportsCenter or something every time this guy comes to bat? And maybe we'll get that. If he continues well, – he's got 32 home runs as of this recording – you know, if he's at 50 and we're, like, not even through – like, you know, halfway through August yet or something insane, maybe we'll get that. But the the lack of coverage is, like – if he can't say, say baseball – you and I are both baseball fans. Yeah. I'm, like, completely fine with how the sport's been regionalized because I just don't think people have the uh, attention span or the temperament to kind of sit through random baseball games like they may have used to on television. And part of that is the strikeout, and I don't want to get into all that stuff. I, we understand why it's regionalized, but it is popular regionally. I'm okay with that because the pro season product is so good. But if there was ever going to bring someone to bring back baseball to a national stage, if Otani can't do it, no one's doing that. Right? Yeah. This is just yeah. the reality they live in now. Hey, and, and so you're more of an NBA guy than me. I'm curious here. Is that starting to trend towards the NBA regular season? Like where it's it's hard for people to continually watch NBA games outside of outside of regular. And I, I, I'm sorry to get off topic, but I thought about that the other day. Is that starting to become a thing in the NBA? Because it'll never be a thing in football. But I just wonder if that's starting to become a thing in the NBA. It is. And that's why, the you know, you have all the ratings are down and all the hot take pundits who don't like the NBA. And it yeah. almost becomes political in some ways. Like the NBA ratings are tanking. And it's like, well, it's just a terrible regular season product. Now, I always think it'll still have more of a national footprint because dudes are jumping through the air dunking and it only lasts sure. hours tops. But, yeah, you're right. I, I, I think it's being watered down, too, because you don't know. Why would you go buy tickets to go see Kawhi Leonard play in Memphis on a th- Thursday? What is the guarantee? Well, you're not guaranteed he's going to play. That's what I'm getting at, right? So, like, you're why are you dropping 250 bucks on a pair of tickets to take you and whomever else if he, you're not guaranteed he's going to play? Like, the regular season product has been watered down. It's still a great playoff product. Um, so, it's kind of similar to baseball in that sense. But, you know, I read an article. I guess this came out about a year and a half, 18 months ago. You know, baseball in the shared markets, I think they share, like, 18, 17, 18 markets. Baseball outrates the NBA locally in like 13 or 14 of them. It's just not have the national presence. And honest to God, I just, I don't know how it's changing that. You can shorten the games, but you can't shorten them to the tune to make them like that. You could put more balls in play and all that. I'm not saying baseball is perfect and it shouldn't try to get better, but I'm just not sure that's ever changing at this point because we have a literal superhero action figure playing <laughs> LA's B market and no one cares. Yeah. And I don't really know how much difference it makes if he's wearing blue and white and playing across town either. Yeah, that they were had that exact discussion on the podcast I was listening to today. It it makes a little difference. You're probably getting a little more sports center buzz at this sure. point in the season, but it, it it's not becoming the Barry Bonds deal where you look at it every night to see where he's playing in the home run chase thing. I agree. 
it probably you obviously get a bump because I mean, hell, if he was just in, across town, you know, go up one county. If he was playing with the Dodgers, like that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Oh, I thought you were going Yankee pinstripes, but no, no, no. That's what I'm saying. Across thing. town, yeah. Yeah, it's the same thing. You go up one county if he's a Dodger, like yeah, that probably makes sense. Um, how far is you? You were out there. How far is Dodger Stadium from LA State or the Angel Stadium? If you had a straight line drive, it's probably half an hour, but or maybe less than that. But the problem is with traffic and all that, you're it, it's ninety minutes. Good God, it's a whole other level of traffic out there, dude. I'm telling you, that place is not real. It's all like a fairy tale. I almost started walking up to people. I saw some kid who couldn't be more than ten years old with Ray Bans and at least a five thousand dollar beach bike with his surfboard attached on it. I was like, holy shit, this kid one could beat me up, but two, like. I was like drinking water out of a hose playing wiffle ball, and this kid's going to catch the tide. Like, I, I, it's, it's a whole different world out there, man. So, it's like encapsulation that's portrayed on movies of Los Angeles. It's sort of realistic, is what you're saying. The beach towns north and south of the city, particularly south of the city. Like my my, my buddy who lives in Newport, probably 20 minutes as the crow flies from LA, has been to LA. I would guess twice just because of how crowded it is out there and how long it takes yeah. so they hang out in these beach towns which are much different than the city la has kind of actually has a like a working class vibe in terms of like the inner city and stuff like that but the you know the beverly hills and go north and manhattan beach when you go south all the way down is just completely different and that's what you see in the movies gotcha if um, you watch rocket power and went to huntington beach you'd be like okay same thing it's literally the same thing it's the craziest thing i've ever seen in my life like dudes are just rolling up and like clearly rented or leased ferraris wearing like a vest just kind of wanting to be a poser in newport beach it's a wild lifestyle i'll tell you that much so did you drive out there like i'm not saying <laughs> did you drive from texas but like when you were out there did you drive uh yeah so i i took my buddy's car i, I took mc with me and there so did you have to uh jeff like manage this freeway traffic at all not not really. We went to one place that was kind of closer to like inland, like towards Anaheim okay. and all that. Um, and it wasn't great. And I did that in nineteen. I went somewhere inland, I can't remember where it was, and it was bad. But honestly, the, the beach towns in terms of how you navigate them are not that dissimilar to Oxford. You could learn how to get around Newport Beach quicker than you could Oxford, and I will go to my deathbed uh, uh swearing by that. Yeah, it's I was like, in I Oxford all weekend. This will shock you people still cannot drive there shockingly yeah that has I, had a, I had a buddy make a good point and I, and I stand by this uh they should and you know how you when you do freshman orientation you have to like see all this stuff and they like go over everything you you, you did freshman orientation right i did i know where you're okay. going with this i think they should they should do roundabouts yes. that should be a thing they should absolutely have a, a, a police officer someone show kids how to do roundabouts it is dangerous at this point for kids not knowing how to like and i'm being somewhat serious here Someone's going to get hurt the more the deeper we get into this with more roundabouts and kids not knowing how to use them. Someone's going to get seriously hurt on one of those things. There was an LA Times article while I was out in Newport talking about how roundabouts could save traffic if more people Im implemented them on the West Coast. And I'm like, <laughs> yes and no. There needs to be training sessions when you get your driver's license. But yes, it does because you don't have traffic and stoplight as often in Oxford. It's a if used correctly, the problem is people don't use them correctly. I agree. I'd love to see a bunch of hungover eighteen-year-olds who clearly stayed out the night before and don't <laughs> want to be at orientation. It's like, all right, last activity of the Ooh. day, we're gonna walk through roundabouts. That's a good point. Hold on though. Let, let, 
so I don't know how your freshman orientation went, but mine kind of went like you're, you're described. Um, but like, there's not that bar anymore. So unless you've got a fake coming out of high school, you're, you're not, you're not getting in anywhere that anymore is, because not no, no under 21 bars anymore. That is true. But if I know anything about the South and Mississippi, uh, <laughs> one thing I miss about it is they're going to find somewhere to drink. Find, finding a way. Yeah. House it's, it's, it's happening. I mean, how they, the people go, eat late night food at gas stations like it, it they're gonna get it done uh but yes mine was the same way where you know I'm having to play essentially a grown-up version of truth or dare with some tennis ball as I just have a pounding headache and can't see straight and I'm like easy orientation guy I don't know what you had this morning but we're not on the same wavelength you have to be a special breed of citizen to be an orientation leader because you have to be pumped up about nothing yeah, at seven thirty in the morning, you gotta be able to like jump through hoops and stuff. And buddy, when I showed up to my orientation, I was ready to just go to sleep. Yes, and I'm not knocking those people. They make it more pleasant. Like they I, do, absolutely. Energy, energy they do. I don't have. Like if, if you ever catch me dishing out free hugs at seven thirty in the morning, consider me have made it in life a different energy than anyone else because that is quite something. So you're saying if you if you hit the lottery, you are not going to be an orientation leader. I will not – I will gladly pay an orientation leaders better than what they're already paid so they can be even happier, but you will not catch me at one of those things. <laughs> Let me tell you, if I win the lottery, uh, the Rebels will operate on more than 11.7 scholarships legally. Perfect way to end this because there we go. All, we, all you need out there uh, for Ole Miss to win a national title is for Colin to have the right numbers on the Powerball. So uh, expect that to happen uh, in the next half decade. Let me tell you, they, they will go to Omaha a lot more um, if, if I win the lottery or someone's getting fired because with they will legally operate on about 20 scholarships. Uh, they, there will be a lot of NILs for my business. Yes, and if I ever win the lottery, I'm setting up a bar somewhere on the square, and it will be one in, one out on my time. Like there will be a max of 50 people in that place at all times, particularly on any football weekend. So congrats on making the cut on the list for that. So uh, oh, there we go. Really beneficial, but yeah. Are we there, doing covers you know, or what, what are we doing there? Whatever you want to do there, there will be no rules. There will just be no shoulder to shoulder, like screaming at bartenders. Because you can of, breathe. Yes, you can breathe. It will be great. It'll be a novel concept. So anyway, before we get ourselves in trouble, I appreciate the time. We talked some baseball. We fixed Oxford. We talked about Otani. What else could you want in a podcast? We, we got Ole Miss 18 scholarships. They want to listen. It's very true. I appreciate the time, as always, dude. We'll talk uh, a couple weeks after the draft, but uh, enjoy the rest of the summer. I'll hard you soon. All right, man. Sounds good. Everybody take care. I appreciate you listening into an edition of this podcast. We're going to have some sort of mailbag Friday. I don't know what it's going to look like. Might get a little solo rippy action. Who knows? I don't know if anyone wants that. But uh, <laughs> we will be back tomorrow. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire.
No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.